0: ...to come before your throne of grace, Lord. We will find mercy and grace to help us in the time of need. And we need you every day, every minute, every hour. You are the very breath that we breathe. If you didn't give us life, we would have no life. And we're so thankful for that. So we ask you, Lord, to increase that life in us. Give us more, Lord. Open our understanding, Give us revelation, give us knowledge, and give us courage, fortitude, everything that we need to walk this walk with you from day to day. We thank you, we honor you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. And So today we're going to talk about discovering you. God wants you to know that your life is a discovery process and what he means in discovering who you are, discovering you. Uh you need to know that our God is a God of revelation. Satan is the God of darkness. He's the God that puts blinders on people's minds, hides the truth, hides what we really who we really are and and what we really believe. So uh Satan is darkness, God is light. So light reveals things, amen. It brings things out of hiding. It brings them out of the closet. It brings them out of darkness. It brings them out of um uh blindness. So whenever you see exposure uh on the earth, whether it's good or evil, God will expose both, amen, because he shines a light on. And uh the, the darkness has to flee when the light shines on it. And so we are seeing that more than any other time, I think, in our political realm. We're seeing the exposure of darkness and seeing it try to scramble to hold itself together. Uh, But it will fall apart because when God reveals, everything falls apart that's not light. Amen. So nothing of darkness will be able to stand the scrutiny of God's light of revelation. But revelation also means that God brings things out of obscurity into the light so they could be seen as they really are. And I think that's what, what he wants to get over to us about what he does with us when he, uh, when you become born again and God begins to live in you. What is his job while he's living in there? He just didn't all of a sudden found himself homeless and begged his way into your life so he'd have a place to stay. Everything that God does is for purpose and it's for good. And so God wants to let us know that it's good to discover who we are. It's good to discover who you are. Uh, you don't know who you are until you come into contact with the living God. And that's just true uh in in even even people who are doing the best they can and this is always an excuse with with works of the flesh you know people think well i'm doing the best i can and i'm doing this yeah but you're not really uh operating in your true identity. So God wants us to know who we are. He wants us to know what the devil stolen from us is our identity. He wants us to know what we're capable of, uh, truly, because we have no clue who we are until we come into contact with the living God, because he's the one who reveals things. The devil likes to keep people in darkness so we can live at half our potential. If that much or a tenth of our potential, we can have a tenth of uh, the satisfaction and the joy and the contentment of life and the blessings of life. He likes us living in darkness, grovelling and groping and trying and failing and trying again and failing again and getting discouraged and quitting every other day. And sound familiar? Yeah. And so that's him. And he works in us still to a degree. You know, we we have all the tools we need to resist that and to walk in our true identity. So whenever we have thoughts of failure, giving up or whatever, that's not your spirit man talking to you. That's where you've stepped over into to the dark place again and you're in the darkness being frustrated and hindered and so you need to know that you can just as easily step back into the spirit of God and step into your true identity again and begin to live as God would have you to live you're going to pay a price for that because the Bible says those who will live godly in this life will suffer persecution so you're not going to escape it you know I think sometimes we're trying to avoid it uh, by and, and what happens is the, the enemy has already gotten us backed into a corner when we're afraid to be, be who God called us to be we're already in compromise mode and so what we're trying to do is avoid any kind of confrontation with the devil through flesh and blood. You know, cause people are gonna oppose you. I don't care who you are. If you are, if you got any, any of God in you, uh, there's gonna be opposition just to you showing up, you know. And, uh, the enemy will try to hinder you from getting where you need to go, especially if you're gonna get built up in God or you're gonna be encouraged in the Lord. He'll put roadblocks in your way and you gotta learn how to resist Him because you have the power to resist within you. You know, we think we don't, but we do. Rise up in resurrection power and resist that thing and just go on with your life, you know, the way God's ordained for you to do. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, we see a statement that God has made. Man. He says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all earth, over every creeping thing that crawls upon the earth. So God did what he said he was going to do. He made man in his image, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful. So that's your scripture for can I get a job and be successful in it? Yes, you can. Amen. That's not just speaking about having children, but that's talking about everything you touch gets better. That's what that really means. To be fruitful. In other words, and the minute the enemy heard that, boy, did he have a fit. The minute the blessing goes out in your life, Satan starts to array his forces against you. Because you see what happened right in the next chapter, or the third chapter. Uh You see where a, the God finishes his creation, and immediately Satan shows up to try and curse that and make that of none effect. And so he said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Now you know at this time Satan had fallen from heaven, and he had fell down to the earth with a third of the angels. Amen. Not two thirds, one third. So you got power on your side. Anybody thinks you get scared of the devil or scared to oppose him, just remember he only got a third, amen. And they're curse, they're not as powerful as God's angels are, that's for sure. You know, righteousness is always the most powerful force in the earth. You know, you can't beat that one. So he said, Replenish the earth, subdue it. In other words, make stuff grow. Make the earth serve you. These people who worship the earth are so far off base. It's pathetic, really. You know. Now they say, "Well, we don't really worship trees." Yeah, but you you pay too much attention to them. Why don't you pay attention to God? You know, uh, worship the Creator. Give Him when whatever you focus on, that's what you worship. You know, you may not say you worship it, but you held it in too high an esteem. You know, it's a good thing to plant trees and make sure you replenish the earth. That's fine. That's in God's line. But when you start uh, forbidding people to touch trees and forbidding them to to move them and this kind of stuff, now you're not really uh, exercising the right kind of godly dominion. And says said dominion over the fish. No dominion means control and responsibility. This is responsible control. It's not domination like you're gonna hurt something. Amen. And see, ideas like that, when we see words like dominion, that comes to us because of our fallen nature. Your carnal mind is quick to pick up the abusive, the negative, the, the uncaring aspect of certain words that you hear, simply because that's the way our ears are trained. And so when you start to understand God's meaning of these things, you got to go back and look at them. Dominion really means lordship and responsibility. It doesn't mean messing something up just because God gave it to you. Amen? And we can all benefit from that, huh? (laughs) Well, next time you get your checkbook or your, your paycheck, remember that. Dominion means responsible. Authority, Amen. Praise God over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So we have a control over all of the animals. Now, why don't we exercise it? Well, we have we have selective control now, but God said we had control over all of them. See, every animal on the earth suffered. Is, is, is filled with iniquity now because of the fall. Because of the curse that fell upon the earth, everything's cursed. So that's why there's certain things we call wild animals and we let them live in their habitat and we live in ours. Every now and then you'll find somebody who wants to go tame a tiger. But that's not in everybody's You understand what I'm saying? But I I believe that they are hearing a faint version of this scripture right here when they want to. You understand what I'm saying? But they have to do it in a a posture of defiance, which is from the dark side. Because you don't have the Spirit of God to teach you how to do those things. But it is possible. In the new birth, you understand what I'm saying? And so if you, you get into the right flow with God and, and, and there has to be purpose to it. Uh, if your purpose is so that you can be famous and make money off of these caged animals, you're probably not gonna (laughs) be too, you know, hearing from God there. You know, I think at some point we won't even have zoos anymore where we have animals caged even though they're, they're they're making them nicer. But if you'll notice, the ones that are very popular now are part animal exhibit and part theme park. They have rides in there. They have picnics. They have all their their transitioning I think because I think people are looking at that and understanding that that was kind of like a fad like like in the the 19th century that's when people started to explore foreign countries they would go over there they'd kill so many of the wild animals in continents like Africa and then they would trap some and bring them back for exhibits etc. Cetera, et cetera. and it was something to see but now somebody can go and film that You know, you you don't have to see an animal cage to know what a lion looks like. And that's really all they got out of it. And so you can take pictures, you can take films, you can do all kinds of stuff that you don't have to disturb them in their natural habitat in order to know what they look like and appreciate God's creation that way. You know, That's just me saying that. But I think it's trending that way. I think people are getting a lot more what you call humane. They're understanding what dominion is. It's not domination and abuse of God's creation, but it's loving care and taking care of of what God has entrusted to us. Amen. And that goes for people, that goes for everything. That God when God's hand touches it, it's good. Amen. It works out for the good. So he said, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so man began to live off of of the earth he uh fed himself with with the trees that grew grew freely in the garden he didn't have to work that and tend that the way we do now uh, uh it was totally different i believe he 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 governed like god governed and that was w- with his words man could trust his words to come to pass the same way god could trust his so that was before the fall after the fall uh, you see the effect of iniquity in man, in his mind, in his thoughts. You see, first of all, the first thing you see happening to the man and the woman is a separation where before there was unity. Remember God said, let them have dominion, let them do this, let them do that. Now, after the fall, there, it's totally different. In Genesis 3, if you'll turn over there... It says here, verse 9, God called to Adam and said, where are you? That means both of them, not the man separate from the woman, but look who piped up. The man spoke separate from her. So sin and disobedience brings a division and a separation between people. It just separates you. Uh once you're separated, you tend to go for yourself. You take care of yourself first. You don't have any kind of regard for that other person. So he asked him, where are you? In verse 10, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? In other words, you got some knowledge that I didn't give you. Amen. Now, this is the whole point of redemption, is that God wants to remove and erase the knowledge that we have that he did not give us, so we can live. Man, that's the reason you read your Bible, that's the reason you pray and you study, and you focus on the word to renew your mind, to take away the knowledge that God did not give you. Amen? And replace it with truth. I don't care how much knowledge you think you have. I don't care how many good things you do with what, with your personal resources. But there is a knowledge that we have that is totally given over to self that God did not give us. He gave the man and the woman to be one. When sin came, it separated them from God and them from each other. So sin separates you from everybody. Selfishness separates us from everybody. So now instead of man having dominion and taking care of things and enjoying it and looking forward to his time with God, he's hiding from God. He's ashamed of himself. He doesn't want to be around God. And so this is what the new birth takes away from us, this Fear of God in a a negative, hiding from God, afraid of what God's going to do to us if he finds us. This is what we did. You know how we say people, how oh, they've been running from God for all their lives. You know, we make statements like that. Why is that? Because it's true. They It started right here in the garden. Adam and Eve ran from God. And the man said, he said, how did you, did you eat of that tree I told you not to eat of? And the man said, the woman you gave me. So here we go, blaming out of selfishness. Adam's trying to preserve himself. And so instead of telling the truth and saying, well, I agreed to eat it. She ate it first, and I, he didn't tell exactly what happened. He begins to speak the truth or speak facts, but with a different spirit on it. See, there's an accusatory spirit on his words. So whenever you blame somebody, you accuse them. You accuse them of being responsible for what you do. And so really, this is a common thing that people do. You know, well, I know Christians aren't supposed to divorce, but he did this and he did that and he did this and he did that. Or she did this and she did that and she did this. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, just spare me. You know, please leave. Go. (laughs) Because it's like you're Christian and you talk like that. You're still blaming And you have forgiveness of your sins available to you and you prefer to blame? See, Adam and Eve didn't know anything about forgiveness. So they had no recourse. They had to blame each other because there was no atonement for their sins. We have the atonement and we still blame. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, like I say, man up, take responsibility, embrace your, your junk. And take it to the foot of the cross and leave it there. And receive righteousness instead, and keep living your life. you understand what I'm saying. Quit the nonsense, the carnal nonsense. so and the Lord said to the woman, "What have you done?" She said, "The serpent beguiled me, and I ate, so here she doesn't own up to her responsibility." she blames it on the serpent so god puts them all out of the garden puts enmity between the serpent and the man and the woman but he ends it with a promise we saw this yesterday where god had provision already there in the garden and god slew an animal made coats of skin to clothe them with and so there was it was and they he locked them out of the garden so they wouldn't live in that state eternally But God, with that blood, there was a promise that God would come to them again through blood and begin to help them and deal with them. So that's what we have in the new birth. God has come to us through blood and in the atoning work of the cross and liberated us. from. He has separated us from our sins forever. That one work. At the cross separates man from his sin forever. So why do we keep going back embracing it and making excuses for it and blaming other people for it? You understand what I'm saying? Because we've been separated. So that's one of the things that you find out when you discover who you are in the new birth. You discover that you have been separated from your sin, past, present, and future. It takes people a while to get the hang of this. Because you hear Christians all the time blaming other people for stuff you know, so and so did this and well I didn't do that defending themselves is another sign, you know, of iniquity that defending yourself instead of pleading the blood, Jesus is your defense for everything. Amen? He's your right and he takes care of your wrong. He separates you from your wrong. And so this is something you have. I I always tell people, I said, stay humble at the foot of the cross long enough to get this inside of you. That if you confess your sins, God is the one who's faithful and just to forgive you. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I mean, there's not even a hint of anything. There's nothing that you've done that his blood won't separate you from. I mean, he separates you from everything. There was a gentleman, uh, I, I think he was, he was in Chicago. I'm trying to think now. I saw him being interviewed and, um, they they were asking how people in Chicago felt about the president, President Trump, and they ran across this gentleman who had been pardoned from prison under their their prison reform act. You know, they, they that one lady Alice Johnson, who had sold some marijuana one time, she'd been in there like she'd got a 40 year sentence for selling marijuana. The stuff they got legal now. And wink their eyes at wealthy people that smoked it. You know, come on, there's been a double standard in that thing forever. And she has, she she is served 20 or 22 years. And, uh, I think it was, uh, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, that group of people, uh, are social friends with, I think, uh, Ivanka Trump and her husband. You know, they know each other through, through that little, you know, contact that, that these younger people have when you're prominent and wealthy and all of that kind of stuff and, and started speaking to him about it. Now, her, Ivanka's husband, Jared Kushner, his dad had been imprisoned and he promised his father that if he ever got in a position to help people who were incarcerated for a long period of time, wrongly, whatever, whatever, that he would do that. And so that's how all of this connects, and they got committed to it. And so the gentleman who was doing the interviewing asked the man, he said, well, do you, he said, what do you think the president has done good? And he said, well, I think the prison reform is very much needed. He said, because of the high rate of African American young men who are incarcerated and for long, you know, yada yada, the whole story. And so, uh, the man, the interviewer said, well, have you been, been the benefit of, he said, yes, I have. And he said, can you tell me what, what crime you did? He, and they bleeped it out, but he said, murder. You got me? And so, God, I say that to say this. When the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, there is no sin you cannot be pardoned of. And Christians, we have to lead the way in announcing this. We can't sit back and point fingers at people because of what they did, what, what, oh, you can't, well, how can you like that person? Do you know they did? Yada, 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 yada. We're going to be walking among people now who are free because God has set them free, who have done murder, who have done rape, who have molested children, who have done all kinds of things but their sins have been pardoned. So we can't join the chorus of condemning people to death. We've got to join the chorus of leading them to Christ. Leading them to the cross so that the blood can be applied to their lives and they can be forgiven. You got me? You can't afford to join that bandwagon of finger pointing accusation, condemnation because it will wreak havoc on your own life. What you measure out to others will be measured back to you that's why we got a lot of unhappy christians running around because they think their life is supposed to revolve around passing judgment on everybody else when the word says judge yourself and so this is a very important cornerstone of our faith that we have to learn when we're discovering ourselves number one what you discover about you is your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven you got me and you had got a lot of living to do in between so in between you discover everything else about yourself you know we, this is this is a great discovery uh that we're involved in as believers you don't get saved and then start sitting up somewhere and bragging on how long you've been saved and thinking that's all there is to this new life so if you stay in the word and you stay with God you will discover things about yourself over and over and over again. Amen? Some of the old things will be reinforced. Things that you learn early in your Christian walk will be enforced again and reinforced and then you'll learn other things and add to that. This is a discovery. Don't ever think that you know as much as you're going to need to know about God to live out the rest of your days here. Every day should be an adventure in him. You should never have a boring day. You should never have a dull day. You should never have a day where you don't grow, where you don't learn something new, where something new is not revealed to you. You, You've got to understand that we are are unfolding. Our, Our story is yet unfolding as we learn more about who we are by discovering ourselves in God. Amen. So when we, if we're made in His image, we are like Him. So when we see God, we see us. You gotta accept that. That's not arrogant. That's not, uh, prideful. That's just true. When you see God, you see you. Going into the Word as a new creature is the first time we really get to see God. It really is. You may think you know about Him. You just know, know a little bit. But when you go into the Word and you see God, you also see you. You have to look at it this way. Reflecting on the real, or, or this is, this is the reality causes us to conform to who we really are. So when you reflect on God's Word, that causes you to make a decision as to whether you believe that about yourself or not. Once you decide you believe what God says about you, you have to embrace that and begin to to act it out and begin to live it. And I mean every single day. You have the purpose to live for God and live out the God life every single day. You can't skip a day. You know, take a day off, day off and do what? <laughs> Go back to serving the devil? I don't think so. And we want to take a day off and just coast, you know, just Oh, yeah, I don't want to do anything real. Oh, I won't do that. I won't do that. And pretty soon you find out the devil's gaining on you. So you got to move. Amen. You don't get a day off from discovering who you are in Christ. Amen. So iniquity makes us look away from God, just like Adam and Eve did. They hid themselves from God. And it causes us to look away from the word. You ever read a scripture? And it just makes you feel bad and you kind of look away from it. You don't want to look at it and you mark it in your Bible and say, don't go there. <laughs> I'm not going to read that no more. That didn't make me feel so good. Amen. <laughs> so, but, but this is, this is what, what, let me tell you what's really happening when you do that. If you go in the word and your heart gets pricked by something, what that is, is that's God telling your spirit, your, your, uh, carnal man, this isn't for you. This doesn't pertain to you. It's not telling you you're no good. Because you're made in his image, you've been born again. That, that Bible speaks to your inner man. Anything that gets offended or hurt, that's your flesh, and that's God telling your flesh, now you can go away. You don't have anything to do with this right here. This is not for you. That's all that's saying. Don't take it personally. Don't get offended. Don't think you're no good. Or, you know, I don't like that. I don't like it when I feel like that. Every time I go in the Bible, I feel bad. That's your flesh, man. You got to understand who you are. And stay in that word long enough to know who you are. Amen. Because pretty soon your spirit man won't even be, he'll avoid that Bible so bad. You ever have one of those days where you know you should read your word and you say, well I'm gonna do it when I get a minute over here. I'm gonna do it when I get a minute here. I'm gonna do it when I get a minute here. I'm gonna do it when I get a minute here. And you never get that minute? That's your flesh. In intervening, getting involved, getting nosy about what, you know, getting in your spiritual business. And so once you understand what's going on, your spirit man won't even be alert when you go read the Bible. You ever notice now all of a sudden when you go into the word, his law is not grievous to you? you're not afraid to look at the pages of the bible you don't think it's speaking to you to condemn you and tell you you're worthless and you you better quit cuz this is not you're no good it doesn't do that anymore anybody who's born again for any length of time ought to be going in the bible and finding out good things be excited about it let me go in here and find something that's gonna help me see that's when your spirit man that's that's when you know you're starting to discover who you are See, who you are is a person who is compatible with the word of God. So your spirit man is totally compatible with God's word. So you're not afraid to open the pages that you're going to feel bad when you read something that you think you don't measure up to. That's just your flesh. And eventually he quits getting involved when you open that Bible. Most people, if you're, you've been saved any length of time, I'm, I don't hear any amens out there or anything like that, but, you know, I'm still preaching to myself. But, um you know, if you go into your Bible now, you go in there looking for help, don't you? So you're God's friend, and He's your friend. It's not, you're not scared to read something that's gonna tell you something, because you know that's not, that doesn't apply to you. You know that, that if it's offensive to you, just say, God, well I'm sorry, and you know, if I'm doing that, please help me, and you keep reading to find something that's gonna help you. So that's the big difference there. You've discovered now, in discovering you, You've discovered that you're not enemies with God anymore. You're actually God's friend. That Bible is friendly to you. That Bible is your helper. That Bible is is uh, uh, life and health to you. I can remember I was a new Christian. I wasn't in anybody's church. And I remember taking my Bible everywhere. But I remember there was a time I didn't want to look at it because I thought for sure it was there to tell me I was worthless and condemn me and all that. But then I got saved and I started reading beyond feeling uncomfortable. And that's what you gotta do. Your flesh man is gonna fight you to receive that word. He's gonna tell you that word is gonna, no, that's, you know, don't read that cause you don't wanna hear one more time what you're not doing right. You understand me? And then eventually your flesh dies to getting involved in the Bible and you begin to pick it up and it begins to bless you. You know, you can go in there and get help. You know that if it, you read something where, where you you feel like you don't measure up, you know you can measure up. That's just my flesh manifesting. I know in my spirit I'm going to receive what God Him will receive strength to overcome that. See, you're full of hope now, and you're full of encouragement when you go in there. So when you discover you you discover that your old man passes away, just let him die. Amen. Let him die. Don't engage him. Don't pick him up and think that he's important or he's got anything to say. Just go ahead and let him die. And and get yourself raised up in the righteousness. You're a righteous person now when you put on Christ. You know, there's nothing hindering you from receiving everything God has for you. So what did happen in the new birth? When you got saved, you realize you were on your way to heaven. You were healed, restored, and redeemed. So if you didn't get all of that, know that you have that. Amen. Newsflash, you have all of that right now. You're healed right now. You're saved right now. You're redeemed right now. You're restored right now. What you're doing now is by faith you're going gathering up all your stuff. You're gathering up who you are. You're gathering up what belongs to you. And you're gathering up what your future holds. Every time you go into the Word, you're gathering things. You're collecting things. You're receiving things if you let yourself receive them. Amen. So that's what happened in the new birth. When the Holy Spirit decided to move into your heart or into your spirit, he brought your spirit to life in Christ. So he impacted you with a different kind of life than you've been living. Before, we've been living the selfish life in the flesh you know, trying to figure out life as best we could, amen, you get more and again, the Zoe of God comes to dwell in you, amen. And this life is more powerful than your old life. And to be honest with you, your old life is dying every day. So this life is very powerful to transform us, amen. So in discovering you, you have all these things by faith and now it's growing in manifestation so you're going to be able to exhibit more you're going to be able to acquire more you're going to be able to um, overcome more access God more everything's on the up everything's on the increase don't ever let the devil tell you that your life is getting worse every day you know i mean he loves to do that like if you get a minor symptom and go to the doctor and they say well you know this is this is this is uh what they incurable you know uh, degenerative and it's progressive and you know uh, whatever hmm? it's not for you now you can go there and let them talk to you if you want to i mean there's nothing wrong with finding out if it bugs you not to know but you gotta let that stuff stop at some point, okay? That's that's you in discovering who you are. You go in the Bible and you know you're healed. The the Old Testament Jew was healed, you know, and we have a better covenant with better promises. So you gotta be healed too if if you're serving the same God. You got a covenant with the same God, amen. And so you're healed as well. So. The the Zoe life of God, amen, is very powerful to transform us. So we are in transformation mode. God is taking old parts out, putting new parts in by his word. He's manifesting himself through us. And the, the greatest part of this is that we become witnesses for him. Other people are watching the transformation. You got me, and they may say they don't like it because it puts them under conviction. Hmm? But they'll be like Nicodemus. Remember, they said Nicodemus went to Jesus at by night. They come to call you. You know when there's trouble, Uh, come come to you. You know like if you're at work, they'll wait till everybody has gone away from the desk and come over and ask you to pray for them. You know, or slip you a note and say, you know, so and so is going on, pray for me. That kind of stuff. So people see the transformation, man. Uh, the reason God does it, transforming for a number of reasons, but you know, it's His, it's His counsel that decides to do it this way. But if we just abruptly change overnight, 100%, that would be such a shock to you. And to even though we are we're new creatures, but we we have most of what we we have from God is in seed form, and it will grow as we feed it on the fruit of the spirit, and we feed it on the word of God. It begins to grow, and so it transforms. It's like uh, um, uh, you plant a seed, a flower seed, and after few weeks you know a little green shoot comes up and then you know the leaves and then the the bud and then it opens up and and it just keeps revealing itself you know the inner beauty that's there and I think that's what God has planned for his people we are constantly revealing the inner beauty that God has put inside of us you got to believe that about yourself you're going to quit believing that you you're so fraught with flaws that you got to watch yourself you understand what i'm saying now i'm i'm all in favor of committing these things to god so that he can help us to conform to the image of his son but many times we're bothered by things that we let the devil bother us you understand what i'm saying you shouldn't be bothered by yourself at all you should be at peace with yourself. Amen. I don't care how many mistakes you make, you still have to be at peace with yourself because that's who you are. You're a person who has been has has received peace with God. And you've got to learn how to maintain peace with God so that you can function freely. You can't function with a bunch of chains on you and a bunch of people watching you and, and commenting on what you do and how you do things. You can't live free like that. You got to learn how to understand your sins are forgiven and if people accuse you, you got to tell them your sins are forgiven. Now listen, I don't know about you honey, but my sins are forgiven. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not hindering anything God's doing down here you kidding me? I'm his helper. And so we have to really live like that, folks. We really do. Because we're coming to a time in the earth where people who don't live for God are very obvious. Because they are accusing the, the believer every single day. You turn on any of the the mainstream media, and you get a constant stream of accusation. You got me it's they again republicans conservative, everybody knows that's code word for Christian because Christians tend to get involved in that area of politics if they're political at all and so why? Because Christians don't believe in in abortion at any stage. We we believe in the sanctity of life. We believe in obeying laws. We don't believe in getting out and tearing stuff up and uh, going to the bathroom on the street and living on the street. We don't believe in that. We believe our God provides for us. And that's what the devil hates. He hates the security that we have in God. And so we're we're going to find that the world's starting to line up like that either for or against and the accuser is busy accusing day and night now why does he accuse us because if he can get us to second guess ourselves instead of continuing to discover ourselves see when you stop and second guess well, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not maybe I do do this and maybe I am not this and I do this too much and I do that too much you know when you start doing that you you stop discovering who you are and i think it grieves the holy spirit when we're not interested in who god says we are and we're more interested in the accusation of the devil you have stopped the transformation and discovery process you think about it you've just called a halt wait a minute god i got to take care of this they say i do this and they say i'm not that they say uh huh? You don't do that. It's not for you to do. And the people who are confident because they have relationship with God, the devil hates. He wants to pull them down more than he wants to pull anybody down. Amen? You know, how dare they say the president isn't a Christian? You understand what I'm saying? They don't know his heart. They don't know what God God knows who are his. So you try to take somebody's Christianity away. You try to pull somebody away from God. The Bible says, woe to that man who puts a stumbling block. You know, accusation's a stumbling block. The more you have to stop and, and wonder if, if you did something that's so offensive that, you know, somebody, yeah, stop and wonder, stop and wonder. So, and, and people will accuse you day and night. You got me? You know, and you'll be struggling like they are to do your very best, but they take time out to point the finger at you. When the Bible says examine yourself, it doesn't even say point the finger at yourself. It says examine yourself. You come up short, you repent and keep living. You got me? But you got to let other people live too. Amen. So, so we're going to see more of this public accusation trying to tear down people's reputation to get them to quit. To stop and consider the accusation. So the Holy Spirit is in us. To keep us on the path of discovering who we are. Amen. Holy Spirit is a teaching spirit. So he will help us to understand who we are. He's also a killer spirit. Amen. Who did he kill? He killed your old man. When he moved in, your old man died. That's how the Holy Spirit can say, consider yourself dead to sin. Why? Cause I killed him already. Amen. <laughs> I killed your old man. So your old man doesn't have any power. All he can do is threaten to take over again. He threatens a hostile takeover. <laughs> Accuse and threaten. Accuse and threaten. The Bible says clearly that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses the blood bought because he doesn't have any better sense than that. When you accuse the blood bought, you accuse the blood. Man, you'll never get forgiven but for that. You gotta go to God and repent. You know, you got all these Christians you don't like and they ain't no good. Look at them doing this and look at them. As so for some people, I don't even listen to them preach because I know that I don't respect their message. And rather than sit up and accuse them and being angry, I just don't listen to them. I don't have a flavor for that. Now, they may be right for somebody else. I'm not going to stop you if that's what you want to do. But, you know, you, you got to be discerning as well. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe you don't need so much of what they have. You need to learn how to get your sins forgiven. <laughs> you know, just go back to basics and live that basic Christianity before you start trying to add all these little schmancy things to it. Amen? Learn how to believe God for, for souls. You know, I mean, that's the first thing he teaches you. When you're saved, you want your whole family saved. And you, you don't get a rest until you know that they're in the ark of safety. You know what I'm saying? You just, there's something about souls are so much more important than, than material things. You know, so we have to focus on what's imminent. What's, what's needed right now? Amen. Needed is for everybody to get into that ark of safety. You notice Noah wasn't concerned about how they were going to live once they got into the ark. He was concerned of getting the ark built. And getting everybody in it, amen, and then the other would take care of itself on the other side, so the imminent things are 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 uh, things um that that God puts in your heart as a new believer. you just uh it it really bothered me to think that my family would go to hell, and I was the only one going to heaven and boy, I went to work on that <laughs> they they was tired of me, they're scared of me, talk bad about me, I didn't care. I said, y'all ain't going to hell. Amen. Not if I can do anything about it. Buy cracky or whatever, you know, spitting my tobacco out of my mouth, but I'll to get them desperados in there, you know, get them all in. That's what you do. It's kind of interesting too, because there was a, a book and I know you all are familiar with it because we have it in our, our bookstore, but, uh, a book and uh um Diana Liptak, when I was in women's aglow, that's like thirty years ago and she 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 was just such a sweet woman, still is you know, she wrote that book and my and thy house, and she um would give her testimony on how she first started trying to get her household saved, and that God just told her one day, just let me do it. You know, you be quiet, live, you know, go ahead and serve me, do what you do, but let me handle it. And she told how one by one, at least a dozen of her family members came to Christ within a two-year period. And she wrote that book to encourage believers. And I had, we had bought some of her books years ago and put them in a bookstore, and we had maybe a couple copies in the library so people could, uh, read it. And, uh, and so I got back in touch with her when we ran out of my I got back in touch with her and I asked her, I said, Miss Diana, why don't you come over and minister to us? And I said, you got any of your books? And she said, Oh, I decided I wasn't going to get them printed anymore. I said, really? <laughs> Where you get that idea? But you know, I was cool. I said, but I was shocked. I'm thinking, ah, and, um, I prayed about it and over a period of time I I convinced her, I said, Well why don't you let us handle getting them printed and we'll you know if you want changes made we'll we'll do that update it whatever and I told her I said, But I wouldn't not print it anymore if I were you. I said because it, God gave it to you. He gave your family saved and I believe it inspires. She said, You think so? I said, Sure it does. I said, We we've been using it here. I said, That's one of the first books I give people in the ministry to read so they'll know how important household salvation is to the to the Lord as well as to us. And so um, we did that, and she came by. Her husband was still alive. I got a call from her recently. Her husband passed away. She said about three years ago. But guess what? She said, "Do you have any more of my books over there?" <laughs> she said, "I'm still doing my ministry," and she she goes to prisons, she goes to nursing homes, she prays with people. She's she's like somewhere almost every day ministering. Her her son. Uh, got saved and became her pastor. Still pastoring a church. Her family's all saved. They all support the ministry. Everything's real good. And uh I asked her, I said, well, about how many copies? She said, you got 40. I said, oh, things are getting good over there. So she sees now. You know, you see how the devil can steal something from you, you see, where she's discovering who she is in Christ and the enemy's in a subtle way, working against it, working against it, trying to steal it from her. Uh, but I can see that God's refreshed that. In her, And so uh, we sent her some books. We didn't quite have that many, but I'm going to sneak and print some more. I'm going to tell her. I said, hey, I'll just have them shipped to you. I said, we got to locate the rest of them, but we'll, we'll continue to get them printed for her. Why? Because that's a seed we can sow in the household salvation. You see, you don't quit sowing seeds. You don't think twice about certain things that you know have helped you and you will help the body of Christ if you can help that. So, so we'll, we'll continue to do that for her and help her with, with what God wants her to do. So, so it's an honor, you know, to support somebody who's working that hard for God. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher and a killer. Amen. He killed your old man when he moved in. It was just, it, he didn't have to take time to kill him. When he moved in, your old man died. So the Bible says, reckon yourself dead unto sin and alive unto righteousness. So he's a teacher and a killer. Teaching brings light and revelation. And so the Holy Spirit will shine on the light of truth. So whenever you read truth, He illuminates it for you. Amen. You either get a quickening in your spirit, you get a, a peaceful lightning, uh, sensation in your spirit. And so He will teach you how to read the signals that come through your spirit so that you're not subject to flesh emotions. Amen. And get carried away in your flesh. You have to really continually, daily die to the works of the flesh. You can't want to be right all the time. You can't not want to be corrected. You can't not want truth. You can't not, you, you gotta let that stuff go. It's not hard to do. We just have to repent. I think what happens is people know it's wrong. But they never bring it before the light of God. You know, you have to go to God and say, God, I see this is wrong. And I'm sorry, can you please help me? And that's a step that's never taken with most people. Because if something just continues to be a problem for you, you really haven't addressed it. Because it's so easy for God to take care of these things. Look at all the stuff that you got rid of when you first saved. You didn't even ask to get rid of it. He just did you a favor and took the taste away, took the the power of it away. He took it all away because you you gave your life to Him and and He you know cleaned you up. You know uh, you know you you got. The scale's off, now you gotta get gutted. <laughs> the rest of the walk is, is a gut job. But it's a good one, cause you begin to get cleaned inside and out, amen? So, so the light comes on, as we read the Word, and the Holy Spirit illuminates it, and we see who we are. You look in the Word and you say, is that really, oh, that's what that means. When I think thoughts like that, that's, that's righteousness. See? I'm not, when I see, when I see evil in the world, my desire is to pray so that justice comes. And I'm not mad at it and telling everybody how bad things are, but I start to incorporate it into my task of things to take care of. See? Total difference. Righteousness will do that. Um the power of God, overcoming power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead tells you that you don't have a, to live in a city where the devil gets a night to burn half the city down. You got me? And so you can start saying, now wait a minute, we don't have to put up with this. God show us how to defeat this thing so we can get rid of this. Is, didn't you show me something recently, Miss Wanda, where some guy wants to reinstitute devil? You're too late. That thing's gone. When we cast the devil out of a city, he don't come back no more. You understand? As long as you stand watch over it, he's not coming back anymore. So you're too late already. You know, the enemy's always trying to see if he can, you know, I'm not going to get upset about him. He's been dealt with already. The Holy Spirit came in and changed me. He can get rid of that sucker. I'll tell you that much. So conviction always comes when truth shows up. Conviction really tells you, you've got to leave that alone. It's not you anymore. That's what conviction does. It doesn't tell you you're no good. You know, people don't like any kind of, you know, negative impression that that they give, you know, of themselves or something like that. You know, we just can't handle it. You know? <laughs> well, the only reason I do that is because I didn't get enough hugs when I was growing up. Well, I didn't either. You know, we wasn't a hug family. Amen. But I got fed. I got clothed pretty much. <laughs> you know, not consistently all the time, but I'm still here. You got me? So the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us, he leads us, he guides us, he's our babysitter, our caretaker, amen? He's the one who helps us when we cannot help ourselves. You run out of ideas, he's got plenty of them. Trust me, amen? So really conviction says to you, that's not you anymore. Leave that alone. That person died when you received Christ, cause I killed him. That's what conviction really says. Amen? It does not point an accusing finger at you. Grow up. You wanna do right, you've got to let be, you've got to understand when you're doing wrong. That's all that is. It's just teaching you right and wrong in a place now where you can do right. See, if you were being told right from wrong and you had no power to do right, that wouldn't be right. But now you can do right. So that's how, that's how this works. That's how the new discovering you, you say, oh, I'm a do right. If you want to be a do right all day, a woman. You got me? You can do right now. For all you Motown lovers out there, (laughs) right, you missed it, Mr. Gary. You were supposed to go Motown with me. See, you missed your chance. But uh, anyway, but that's all I'm saying is that you now have the power to do the right thing. So pointing to your wrong when you don't have the power to correct it is not right. But if you have the power to correct it, it's just a choice you make now. Now you know the difference. Oh Lord, thank you for showing that to me. Now I understand why I've been hindered all my life from being able to get my life off the ground and, and, you know, attain and do the things that I've had my heart to do all of these years. I see now what's been holding me back. It's been me giving into the flesh, but I don't have to anymore. Amen. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. You are free now to obey God. You don't have to obey the devil all the time. you It's not about yourself. You died to self. So you got to serve one master or the other. You don't get to be a free little agent out here thinking you're, you start thinking that you'll be living for the devil for sure. So you have to submit to God. Resist the devil. Amen. And then you won't have him, you won't have him in your life anymore. Amen. So when you accept this, you accept who you really are, you begin to live unto righteousness. Amen. Which means you can start doing, doing right. (laughs) I'm not gonna sing the song again, alright. But, uh, you can do right. Amen. You can. And you can know that you're doing the right thing. It's, it's like, Say, for instance, you have a day where you go out and you you stop people on the street with your knee prayer shirt on and everybody you stop wants prayer. That sense of righteousness, do right, done right, accomplishment that settles in on you, you're supposed to have that all the time. It should not be dependent on you doing something that you can see is right. It must be resident in your heart to know that you're right. You see. Don't sit around and let your mind continually hammer at you with things that are wrong. Don't do that. That's not for you. In discovering yourself, discovering who you are, you have to have thoughts that feed your inner man. They gotta feed your spirit man. You can't afford to let your flesh man have that much space in your head and constantly tell you about things. You know, sometimes, I like, sometimes it's just good to get your word out and start reading your word because if you sit and you're idle, you know, I've noticed sometimes, do you, you ever sit and you think about, uh, you just out of your mind comes and you'll think about in the fifth grade, you beat up some kid or you stole something from somebody and it's just this is the devil. He'll start getting stuff in your head. I mean, and that's a sure sign. You know what? I think I'm going to feed you some word, <laughs> devil. I think I'm going to feed you a big dose of God's word right here and focus on it. Not let your mind wander back where it just came from. But you focus on that and start feeding yourself the word of God and tearing that thing down. And look, devil, my sins are forgiven. You're not gonna throw that stuff back up in my face again. That that's not me. That person died. The Holy Ghost killed her years ago. And he go kill you in a minute too. <laughs> Amen. So so now your new man then, born of the Spirit. He's able to increase in the fruit of the Spirit. So there's fruit in there already. All of the fruit of the Spirit that you need to sustain your new life is already in there. You don't have to ask for peace. You don't have to ask for patience. You don't have to ask. It's in there. you got to believe it's in there and yield to it as you need it. That's why it's 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 not, you don't have to lose your temper. You don't have to get angry. You don't have to nurse that anger. You can yield to the fruit. Just like you give over to that nonsense, you can yield to the fruit of the spirit anytime. time. You don't have to be discouraged because, you know, things aren't going the way you want them to. You just don't. You don't. You may do it, but you don't have to do it. So you're doing it by choice, and many times people who are Christians think they have no power to resist doing certain things, saying certain things. It's just me. I don't know. I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, whole sink whole nine yards. But we don't have to do that, folks. We can live above these things. So it says here in Galatians five twenty five eighteen. It says sixteen. Walk in the Spirit. And you won't obey the lusts of the flesh. You will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. So there's a war here. And the spirit is against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you want to. So as long as that contrariness is there. You won't get life off the ground too easily. Amen. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest are these, in case you forget. Remember when you used to do all this stuff? That's what he's saying. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and things like that. So the works of the flesh are very long. The fruit of the spirit is much shorter he says, of which I told you before, as I have also told you, I'll tell you now, like I did in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, so that'll block your blessings, huh don't block the blessings, remember yeah, that'll block your blessings because if you're in the flesh, you' you know flesh and blood won't inherit, but faith works by love. Your faith won't work if you stay bottled up like this. But the fruit of the Spirit are these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, or long suffering. Amen. Gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, and temperance. You notice how these are low key? Got me? Only one that's high key is joy. So that's the only You know, high-strung you're supposed to be. You can't be high-strung in anger. You can't be high-strung in in any of these things. But you can be high-strung in joy. You have as much of that as you want. But the rest of them are kind of easy to get along with. Peaceful spirit type fruit. He says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And, and he says against the fruit of the spirit, there's no law. So you won't get in trouble for being peaceful or patient or meek, joyful, full of love, good fruit, all of that stuff. You won't get in trouble for none of that. Got me? There's no law against it. Some people are so anti submission to God you know they said don't take my meekness for weakness I used to hear people in church say that all the time and I'm thinking what are you afraid of you know that's God's spirit you're talking about that's a very power meekness is very powerful but people are so afraid of it they're afraid to yield to the you see how the devil steals all the time steal everything from people I'm just being too nice seriously Quit trying so hard. Why don't you just, just chill out? (laughs) Why you working so hard? You know, if, if, if obeying God is work for you, you're on the wrong road. You better get off that road, get some peace about you, quit trying so hard. So, anyway. So these are all legal to possess. You can enjoy them and share them as much as you want. so once you start exhibiting the fruit of the spirit, that's your evidence that you're a new creature. See? It's in there. sometimes we'll look back and see where we would have gotten really upset about something and we just have peaceful and not even didn't even flinch one little bit and and you'll notice it, and you say, "Wow, God." Thank you so much. You taught me how to stay in the in the spirit with things, you know. Don't get too comfortable because the devil come with something else and want to bash you in the forehead after that, you know, with something else. But you'll have to be moved, amen, by any of it, amen. So, so you'll find out, and this is evidence that you're a new creature. You didn't change on your own. See, religion makes you think you got to change on your own. Got to shape up, cause somebody's watching. Or you know, some something, something bad's gonna happen. You you got to do this yourself. Don't let anybody or anything put you in the works. Hmm? We are like God, and you begin to know that when you start discovering yourself. You see how much like God you really are. Oh. I'm loving, I'm kind. God is loving and kind. I'm patient, God's patient. Huh? Give yourself credit for yielding to the fruit of the Spirit. Encourage yourself to continue to do that. See, that's not being boastful. That's being honest. You're supposed you're doing what you're supposed to do finally. Second Corinthians three eighteen tells us that the word of God is like a mirror. You look into this mirror what did I say, Second Corinthians three. It says, But we all eighteen, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into his same image. From glory to glory. So every time you go into the word. You're changed. Now you don't feel changed. But if you. If you let that word sink in. You meditate on it. Possess it. It changes you. So this becomes your mirror. Not what you look in every day. You look in every day. All you see is the outer man. The Bible says he's perishing. But the inward man is being renewed. He never ages. Your inward man doesn't get old. He doesn't get feeble. He doesn't get fragile. Amen. He's being renewed every day. Amen. So if you start obeying your, your little body will go along with your inner man if you <laughs> purpose in your heart to, <laughs> to do that. You know, sometimes I'll have an impulse to get up and do something. I said, man, I used to do that so easily. And then the Lord said, you can do it now. <laughs> Just make up your mind, obey. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I won't quit saying that. You, you understand me? So the carnal man still wants to grab hold of things. He wants to get involved in your life again. So don't let him do it. Amen. Uh Go to the book of James chapter 1 and verse 23. It talks about that mirror of the word. He says, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at himself and his natural face in a glass. And like you're looking at yourself in a mirror and he beholds himself and goes away and right away forgets what he saw. So if you look into a mirror, you do look at yourself. You see what you look like right then. But you don't take that image away with you. But if you if you look into the word of God, you do the word and you remember who you are. So then the doing of the word is so important in discovering who you are. You look in there and you see what God expects and you make up your mind you're going to do it. God, I'm going to do this and I'm asking you to help me. You know, put me in situations where I can do these things. That's how I started ministry. I just saw where believers was, I wasn't around a church of people that did anything. They went to church and hooped and hollered and went home and, and cussed each other out pretty much. You know, I mean it, some places are, are just not real spiritual. They don't teach you a whole lot. And so when we started the ministry, God told us immediately that we were. That he gave me uh um, Mark 16 verses 17 through 18, and we were supposed to lay hands on the sick. And He said, "You're going to teach people and train people how to do these things. I'm expecting my believers to do, it. and we never expected anything less. You know, back in the days when when the only person who could pray for the sick was me." I'd get everybody up and and we'd help each other and we learned at the altar and, and I would lay hands on people remember the anointing services we used to have back in the day we'd have everybody laid out on the floor receiving the anointing and I kept obeying God and imparting until it got in everybody you got me. And so once that happens, then you can, can, can continue to obey God. Now you might be shocked because y'all live in a little bubble around here, but you'll go into many churches and they just sit around and hum when you're sick and say, I'm gonna pray for you and keep moving. You understand what? There's no altar work. Thank God there isn't because there's they don't have much. You know, don't be a hypocrite at the altar. Make people think they're healed and they're not. And so you, it's very rare still that you find people who are willing to go the whole way and teach God's people how to do it. Amen. So uh 2 Corinthians 10.5. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. They're dead. Amen. You're dead to sin. You're dead to who you used to be. You're dead to your, your faults and your flaws. You're dead to all of that. Don't give it life by making it important. Don't give it life by going through a whole long harangue about how you're going to get rid of it and you got to work on this, you got to work on that. And, you know, I've prayed for so many people that are Christians that still smoke and I tell them, I said, This isn't your battle. God's already delivered you. At some point, you will stop. You gotta believe that. And uh, I tell them, I said, talk to them cigarettes. Tell them this is my last one I'm smoking. I say, puff away on it and say, you my last one. I'm not smoking you anymore. Pretty soon it leaves. If they do it, you know, some people just don't want to believe. You know, this is too hard. You get sick of it one day, you'll believe and you'll quit. Amen. So so you're invincible, folks. Nothing can harm you. Nothing can overcome you. Nothing can overtake you. God's spirit is stronger. The greater one lives in you. So in discovering yourself, you discover all of these things. Look for opportunities to put them into operation. Apply them and they won't leave you. It'll be more than head knowledge. If you make up determined in your heart, God, I'm going to put this into operation. I'm going to stop fretting about stuff. I'm going to stop being concerned about stuff. Don't talk about problems. Huh? You know, don't look for problems. You know, some people just attract them, you know, like flypaper or something. Uh, learn how to live in the joy that God has for you, the peace that he has for your life. Amen? Just just not do that. Keep Just follow his plan. And he has such good things for us. He wants us to live in his peace day after day after day. And we can do that. Amen? Alright, why don't we stop? Well, Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. We Thank you, Lord, that you are a great God. You're the great God, and we love you for it, Lord. Thank you that you live in us, and we are discovering ourselves every day. We know more about ourselves today than we did yesterday, and we will know more even tomorrow. And we give you that credit for giving us that glory of knowing who we are. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God.